Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Short & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In politics, there are the kings and then there are the king makers, the political consultants who are the power behind the power. In business, it's really not that different. There are companies and then there are the consultants, experts and industry associations who lobby on their behalf, help them shape their image and guide them through crises with messages that will resonate with an increasingly skeptical public in an increasingly divided time in our country, state and community. It might not surprise you to know that women are particularly adept at this. Joining me today are two such powerful women right here in Baton Rouge. One is Camille Conaway, Senior Vice President of Policy and Research at the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. Lobby, as it's better known, is the voice of business in Louisiana, representing more than 2,000 employers statewide. And Camille leads public policy analysis, development, and research initiatives across a range of issues that are important to Lobby and the community. She began her career as a consultant to the United Nations after graduating with a degree in foreign relations from American University. But she came home to Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina to help rebuild her state. In the 12 years since, she's worked for former Governor Bobby Jindal's administration and SSA consultants, among others. Camille, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And speaking of SSA Consultants, joining me and Camille here at the table is the co-owner of SSA Consultants, Christelle Slaughter. No, Camille, this is not an episode of This Is Your Life. It's an opportunity <laughs> to talk about the power structure in Baton Rouge. And no one knows that better than Christelle, whose firm, which she runs with her husband, Bill Slaughter, is the veritable consulting firm to the stars in Baton Rouge, with a specialty in organizational design, strategic planning, and leadership development. Christelle's client list is extensive and includes everything from major public companies to banks, healthcare institutions, universities, governments, and nonprofit organizations. Before embarking on her consulting career, Christelle was a management professor at LSU, where she earned her doctorate in systems management. Christelle, it's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to Out you. to Lunch. Thank you. Well, Camille, Lobby is a very powerful force in the state. As policy director, do you two tell them what to think, or do they tell you? How does it work exactly? <laughs> there's, a good, there's a give and take there. Um, at Lobby, we are a trade association. We have over 2,000 members across the state. That's everyone from small uh, restaurants and retail outlets all the way up to multinational major corporations. Uh, and our policy process is very much driven by the membership. It's driven by the 40-year history of Lobby, where we have traditionally taken stands on issues, and by our members who get to vote. A one-member, one-vote policy is what we have um, on our positions, all the way down to specific legislation and, and, and 
where we stand. And I know that can be tough because I'm thinking like of the gas tax issue last year that big business was pushing for so much because they need the road. And the small businesses, a lot of them were against it because they've got one or two little delivery vans and said they can't afford it. You're exactly right. How do you right. reconcile something like that? Well, the diversity of our organization is a strength and it also can be a challenge. And so when positions like, when issues like that come along, um, and the diversity of our membership is split. As an organization, we will inform our members, but not necessarily take a position on that particular issue. So for the gas tax, that's a great example where we did have small businesses that were concerned with the tax burden already and did not want to see an increase or did not want to see it for the, the way the current transportation uh, program is funded. And we, on the other side, we do have large industrial uh, members who need help getting their folks in and out of the plants, getting across the Mississippi River Bridge every day. And they did want it. And so Lobby as an organization with that one member, one vote policy, voted to maintain no position on that particular issue. Now, did Christelle teach you everything you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or vice versa. She did teach me a lot. One of the things I absolutely loved about working with Christelle at SSA is her sense of optimism, her positivity, and that doing difficult work and challenging work can still be fun and uh, that we can be a help to people, um, help them through those challenges. And so I, I very much appreciated my time working with Christelle. Christelle, you are a consultant. A lot of people call themselves a consultant, especially after they've been fired from a job and they hang out a shingle. (laughs) But you're the real deal. What does it take to really be a legitimate consultant? That's a great question. And, you know, there are no barriers to entry to being a consultant. And But I did hear that it is the worst thing you can put on your tax return because you're almost (laughs) sure to be audited once in a 10-year period. So I I think that there are some personal ingredients that help someone to be a consultant. They have to be an extremely good listener. Mm -hmm. They have to uh, be able to put their own biases and judgments aside. They have to be very inquisitive and enjoy digging into something. So a little bit like reporting, I would imagine, (laughs) in some ways. Um, And then depending upon the project and the client, you know, various skill sets help, you know, understanding strategy if you're doing strategic planning. But I think that um, certainly having a a preparation, I had an academic background, but a lot of our consultants do not. And they have had strong industry backgrounds or a background in a particular uh, line of business that they tend to consult in. And that's very helpful, too. And, And you got your Ph.D. in systems management what, did, what does that actually mean, and, and what do you teach people to do? I mean, when you go into an organization, are you teaching them to be more efficient or to make more money or to get along better with each other? Yes, and it could be all of the above. Yeah. Uh, systems management really was on the more quantitative side okay. of the management equation, so it almost bled into industrial engineering. And in those days, we did things like uh, talk about the number of defects you could have in inventory, whereas now there are zero defects. And So we've come a long way from yeah. those early days. But organization design and strategic planning and very, very large macro uh, sorts of organizational um, assistance goes goes along with that, and and you'll go into a specific company or into something even like lobby and, and teach them how to how to work better. Yes, yes, and uh, you know it's it's a little bit like being a doctor. Um, I had a new client come to me yesterday. And we spent two and a half hours. It was sort of like diagnostic work. You know, this is where it hurts. This is what's right. not working right. And we were so successful. Most of our clients are very successful, and they want to get better. And so we. You know, it's it's challenging and fun to work with them as partners to make that happen. So how do you, and you, met, you alluded to this, but how do you work for a client or, or Camille, in your case, perhaps a whole industry that you may not agree with 
philosophically um, you take on I mean I think this is why I never went into public relations I, how do you what do you do <laughs> when you have to be working for the industry or the client's best interest and sure that and, that, and that's be... true in public service as well you may or may not agree with your boss you know but you as an elected official but but it's your job to promote that agenda and I think we all have personal views and philosophical views that I get to share with my neighbors and my friends <laughs> and my husband more than he wants to hear it um, but we do have a job to do at the end of the day and it's to make our companies more successful help our members be successful and effective at achieving their goals and I think we do a good job of that um, at Lobby and you know offline we get to talk about it however we like and even <laughs> candidly with them sometimes which can sure. be really fun um, as well but but no I think there's definitely a public and a private face to most issues for people and in, in, in our line of working and others yes and I, I think that there there are certain projects and there are certain times where if you have a serious philosophical disagreement with a client that you cannot perform well in that engagement. And um, that's not for everything, but certainly if you're designing a compensation system or performance management and people's ideas about how they want to treat their employees sure, is not what we think is the best way to do things, then that that becomes a very difficult type of engagement. Have you had to walk away from yes. jobs before? Yes, we have. Yeah. Especially things like big cultural change projects where um, you may have a leader who has a slightly slanted view of the world and um, is is being manipulative and wants yeah. you as the consultant to be sort of to a... Like to validate a, them, huh? Yes, and, and uh, that can be very, very difficult. Try and tolerate it, try and work through it as much as you can, but at some point you just have to say... We're probably not the firm to be working with yeah, you. Right interesting. Now. Why do companies actually need consultants? Well, you know, um, I think that uh, we're asked that really uh, quite a lot. And um, oftentimes it's to bring in specialized expertise that they don't have. Sometimes it's a fresh pair of eyes or ears. The client yesterday wanted, wanted a fresh pair of eyes and yeah. uh, you know, tried everything, looked at everything has two very senior people, just can't quite get them to do what he wants them to do. They're great, he, he thinks they're wonderful, but, and so, you know, in listening to him between the lines, two or three ideas came to me about why that might be. And so, uh, I think, you know, our, our larger projects where we bring in a team, a lot mm -hmm. of times it's a specialized group of people <laughs> who are going to sort of do a, a SWOT approach to organizational problems, and, and the organization doesn't have the capacity to do that, and to work as quickly as they can with outside people. You mentioned efficiency and process improvement, mm -hmm. so lots of times it's to save money. The consultant comes in, they're doing the hard part, they're making the recommendations, they're working hard, they get to leave, yeah. and everybody else gets to be a hero. Um, right. So it's those darn consultants that came in yeah. with these recommendations, and that's fair. But I mean, you have to give them deliverables. Absolutely. So that they can see what Absolutely. you're... Camille and I have a, a friend who was in state government. He was a, a department secretary for many years, very well-respected and very well-known. And every time something hard came up when we were working on a project, he would say, you know, Christelle, you have to take the fall on this one. And I would say, why is that? <laughs> because you're the consultant. That's why we hired you. So, you know, there, there's reasons for that. Camille, you're in charge of a policy at Lobby. What are the big things on, on Lobby's agenda at the moment? Well, obviously, with the legislature in session right now, we have a number of, um, of bills that we are proactively pushing on behalf of the business community and a lot of things where we're, where we're playing defense. Um, right now, I think 
probably one of the most important bills that we've pushed in the last couple of years. It's on something that most people don't know about. Um, it's a seatbelt issue, and it's a legal issue. And for all of us who know that we have the second highest car insurance rates in yeah. the nation in this state, um, part of the reason is a poor legal framework that really favors the plaintiff um, in car accident cases and personal injury cases resulting from car accidents. Right now, the jury is not allowed to know whether the person injured in the accident was wearing a seatbelt or not. And really? state law prohibits that. So you can imagine a million-dollar judgment for someone who was breaking the law at the time they were in the accident to begin with because the jury never knew that they weren't actually wearing a seatbelt. And it's the number one way to prevent damage, to, to, to prevent um, injuries and to prevent sure, death is sure. to wear that seatbelt. And so the injuries, you know, Louisiana on average has the same number of car accidents, but very, very high level of bodily injuries and because uh, damages from bodily injuries. Well, people are wearing their seatbelts, but the damages that they're able to claim in a lawsuit oh, okay. are significantly higher, I believe double um, the national average. And part of that is the way our legal structure is set up and the fact that um, the jury doesn't have all the evidence when they're awarding those damages mm -hmm. and the insurance companies are forced to settle because they know they're not going to be aware of the actual um, circumstances wow. of that car accident. So Lobby is advocating for a bill that would allow the judge the discretion to decide if the evidence of the seatbelt usage should be admitted to a yeah. case in a civil trial. And, and in other states where they've done this, I mean, there's a proven... Uh, Commissioner Donilon, who, who approves you know, and oversees the insurance industry, wrote a letter to the legislature saying this will lower car insurance rates in yeah. the state. So it's bottled up right now in a committee. We you know, are encouraging folks to reach out to legislators. Um, there's no reason to have car insurance rates that high, and the legislature can do something about that. So we urge them to do so. Other issues? I mean, I know budget fiscal reform is so huge. It is. We are looking at another um, special session coming up in a few weeks. Um, Lobby is, um, has, is tracking very closely the different approaches that the state is looking at. Uh, we are advocating for a tax and, and budget policy that um, doesn't do any further harm to the economy. Uh, we want to encourage economic growth, economic diversification. A strong economy is the way that we're going to get out of this budget deficit, and so we are definitely you know, encouraging legislators to consider the job, job situation and the economy as they look at tax and revenue solutions for the budget crisis. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Camille Conaway of Law B and Christelle Slaughter of SSA Consultants. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Camille Conaway of Law B and Christelle Slaughter of SSA Consultants. You all are really in in operating in, in fields dominated by men. Law B is hugely male. You know, the, you know, big business and big industry is dominated by males. And Christelle, I know most of the powerful organizations that you deal with are run by males. How Baton Rouge is an old boys network, and it's controlled by old boys. <laughs> How do you all function in this realm? Do you see it getting better? What kind of barriers does this present to women? I, I, I see old boy networks all over the country, probably all over the world, mm -hmm. in some places even even more entrenched. Worse than um, here. Worse than here, absolutely. Not in third world countries, but and, in America. And, 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 and even in America, yes. Okay. And um, oddly enough, I think that... Uh, Maybe just because I came along in the business world in the late 70s and early 80s, mm -hmm. and I was really the token woman in those days, still maybe two or three. Camille and I were in a, a meeting before <laughs> this, and 
you know, there were some women, but we were definitely a minority. But I think that um, I, I learned very quickly how to be able to speak up and make my points, to be uh, very well prepared before I opened my mouth because I couldn't get away with schmoozing making something a, yeah. or, or right, uh, making a gaffe that would come back afterwards. But um, by working hard and, and really applying yourself to the organization, whether it's volunteer or policy as lobby or, or anything else, after a while, people would say, oh, put her on the committee, she gets things done. So it was less about gender and more about performance. The, right, performance. Which is how it should be. Right, exactly. I completely agree with, with what Christelle said. And, you know, I'm at that interesting intersection of business and politics, which are both so male-dominated yeah. anywhere, but, but definitely here in Louisiana. I've been fortunate to have male mentors along the way. I think that makes a huge difference um, when you have... Um, you know, a man ahead of you that, that that puts you in those meetings and gives you that tough assignment and elevates your profile, defers to you to go to a speaking engagement. Those are all things that build up our credibility and our reputation and allow us to really excel. And I think as women, it's also incumbent on us to make sure we're doing the same thing. And even in our work at, at Lobby, we, we're working very hard to get women involved in our Emerging Leaders Council and at, and at the board. And every year we're adding women. And I think we are seeing that change, but you're seeing it change through a very conscious effort of both women and men to diversify that room and get all those perspectives. I, I see in business in particular, I mean, I do see women in, in law, in policy, in communications really doing very well, but it's so hard for women to, you know, I don't know if they don't, they're just not exposed or don't have the resources or the tools or the mentality to make those business deals, to talk to the bankers, to be out on the golf course, to get, to get businesses going. I mean, that's where I really see one of the biggest challenges. I, I think that's true. And, and, you, and I think that's if you're, if you're not getting as many women in the pipeline, you know, there may be female employees, but if you're not getting people who feel comfortable or like Camille said, have a good mentor who are going to put you in a speaking engagement or in the right meeting or the right situation representing them or their department or wherever, then it is very challenging. And um, I, I find even just learning the politics inside of a company mm -hmm. and, and women reading that right and, and thinking, well, I'm not going to go out to lunch with those guys that go to lunch every day. I'm going to stay here and work because right. I have things to that I have to do, or I'm not going to go out for a beer or a drink afterwards. I'm going to stay here, or I'm going to go home with my family. And they they miss some of the political opportunities, quite honestly, that really do propel people ahead. But it's hard to go out and drink with the guys. I mean, yes. at least until you get to be old, like, like and, then, <laughs> and then you can get away. But when you're 30, you can't. I right. mean, because it just doesn't work. Well, that, it and really doesn't. And I think you know, we just have to be more strategic about it. I, I have two young kids. I've got to be home at a certain time. Yeah. I've got to put dinner on the table. My husband works nights, but I can have breakfast. I can have a coffee meeting. I can, you know, go grab an early drink. I can, you know, there there are ways that I can reach out to those guys that I know are, are going out at night and talking that. But I can make sure that I get to know what I need to know. You know another way and I think it's just it's an extra step we have to take but but it can be done yeah well let's switch gears for a moment away from business this is a part of the show we call another great idea so maybe you've got a friend who's always got a great idea for you they tell you about a job to apply for or that cup of coffee you should have with somebody maybe you jump on the advice and it turns out well maybe it turns out to be a bomb maybe you don't take the advice and you wish you had can you all think of an example like that and and how did it turn out for you <laughs> um, 
so uh, there there are so many <laughs> great examples of things that turned out well and things that maybe didn't turn out so well or or I think it's the road less taken it's it's the one where I gosh I really should have pursued that at the time and I didn't but um, I, I think what comes to mind and I uh, was just with this person um, earlier this morning is when Maura Donahue uh, with Donahue Favreau uh, pulled me aside after a meeting one day and said you've got to get involved with the U.S. Chamber I want you to get involved with it. I want you to be part of the, you know, incoming group, same sort of thing. We're actively looking for women business owners, et cetera. And I thought that's the last thing I need is, number one, one more volunteer activity, <laughs> and number two, a, another Chamber of Commerce type of thing. Um, and after about uh, three or four years, I am now the incoming chair of the U.S. Small Business Council, and they have a new leader who's, uh, you know, one of the military academy graduates and, and has such great ideas, work with the Small Business Administration under a prior administration, and between he and his assistant, they are just changing the face of what small business is going to be able to do in the country from a policy perspective, from an actual tools and techniques, and it is so exciting to be part of that. It's so exciting to meet some of these young women yeah. entrepreneurs that they are able to get to come to the summit and and learn about you know what they can do with their ideas and their businesses it's huge it's, accomplishment it what about you Camille the so, the advice not taken or the advice that the advice not taken and, and I'm glad I didn't take it <laughs> okay. and I've kind of flipped it so I was told many times in, in the early stages of my career that I need to have a five-year plan I need to know where I'm going I need to have my ideal job at the end of a road and I need to be taking steps along that road my road has gone all over the place and back. It's looped back and forth on itself. It left the state, it came back. <laughs> I, you know, if I could have predicted that, I probably would have predicted something very different yeah. and missed a ton of opportunities along the way. So I'm a firm believer in risk takers, uh, risk taking, um, seizing the moment, um, following the path where it takes you and not setting a five-year plan. So that's advice that I typically give younger um, women, especially in Not setting the five-year plan. Don't set the five-year plan. Set it, maybe a one-year plan? Or maybe no a, maybe a one-year <laughs> plan, but I think look for those opportunities. When yeah. the window, a window will open when it's supposed to. You know, mm -hmm. if a door closes, don't push it. Um, just you know, follow that path, take some risks, and let opportunity take you where it will. I love that. And I want to, I want to give Camille some feedback. I've never told this to Camille before, and obviously we're close and have known one another for years. But what you just said makes made me think about this. You have the most wonderful reputation. It's just, there. you know, you're nothing without your reputation. Once right. you lose it, you can never get it back. And it is because when you say you're going to do something, you really do it. And she blocks that time. I, having worked with her closely on all, all different sorts of things, uh, she's very devoted to what she has obligated herself for. I've really learned from her on that. But um, I do think that, you know, you, you, you do scan the horizon for opportunities, and uh, but once you choose one, then she really does put herself into it, and it's it's. What wonderful. advice do you give to somebody who really doesn't feel like they have those opportunities when the windows and the doors are closed? I what think, do you do then? I think we've all found ourselves at that point <laughs> in different parts of your career or relationships yeah. or, you know, other parts of life. I think, you know, taking things one day at a time. 
um, expanding your networks. I mean, there are always things you can do, you know, to open up new relationships and new doors, whether it's through volunteer opportunities, looking to parts of your life where you might not look, to your church network, to your community network. I think mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of step back and take a bigger picture than just staying in a career silo or a relationship silo, but trying to step back, take stock of things, be very grateful for where you are in that moment, but keep your eyes open for those yeah. opportunities. No, that's great advice. Do you have to go knocking on doors, Christelle, still prime the pump, or does, or are you so well known that that clients come to you and you turn them away? <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. You know, we're in such a period of disruption in, in everything imaginable, and um, it we live and die by our reputation and get a lot of business through referrals. So a company we worked with 20 years ago will call us you know, after 10 years and and we work with them again and again, that happens. And then they may refer us to a colleague or a business associate of theirs and we go in and work with them. But recently we have found out that some of our largest projects right now have come through people searching the web. Really? And we are getting inquiries from far and beyond, you know, other (laughs) states and uh, being asked to answer RFPs that we've never seen before and are no list to do that as well as private organizations um, and you know you, you have to love um, you know things that are, are serendipitous in life we got a new client last year we've been working very hard with them and and at one point um, my husband Bill is really the lead consultant there I said how did they find us and he said you know I don't really know and I said well I'm gonna find out I asked the, the CEO how did you find us he said well that's a good story he said I, I googled consultants and you all came up and I started looking at what you had done and that sort of thing but then I was uh, I set up an appointment and I was with my aunt um, in another city and I said oh I have to leave I have to drive to Baton Rouge I'm meeting a consultant I think I want to bring him into the business and she said what are you doing what who are these people you know I could have helped <laughs> you with that decision I know everybody and <laughs> He said, well, it's SSA Consultants. And she said, well, that's exactly who I would have said. <laughs> and we have worked with her that's in another great. situation. So, um, but, it, you know, it's, um, there is a lot of competition. Advertising and helps. more competition today Absolutely. than when you got into Absolutely. the field. And mm-hmm. hot social young media. People that you helped Absolutely. bring up have now gone mm-hmm. out and formed their own right. firms and bid against you. For right. Deals. And, but you, that sharpens your saw. So it's all good. It's Keeps all good. you on edge. That's right. And and you work with your husband. Yes. And you're still married to him. The <laughs> last I checked, I was. <laughs> so that's okay. Well, you know, advice we, on working with a spouse. I think that we could. Um, Camille and I could probably write books on that, um, and and a lot of other women. It is definitely different and interesting. Um, I think that you know we don't work in all projects together. The advantage we have is that when you come home and you you really want somebody that you can just pour your heart out to about your day, you have somebody who really you're does understand. Page. That's right. They understand what you're going through. The 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 hard part for me, honestly, is is taking a break, getting away from it. Yeah, yeah. getting away from it because I will talk about it all the time. Bill is much better at it than me, so <laughs> that's a good thing. Well, Camille Conway and Christelle Slaughter, it's inspiring to see such strong, capable women setting the tone and pulling the strings in the Baton Rouge business community. Thank y'all so much for being with me today on Out to Lunch. It's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you.
My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Camille Conaway of Lobby and Christelle Slaughter of SSA Consultants. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website. It's batonrouge.la and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford. You can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solutions services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. <laughs>